0: We've been investigating a farm where we've been told children are working. We're in a little bit of danger here. There are kids around four years old. They're going into the jungle.
1: There's a major disconnect. I actually don't remember life without coffee. We're spotted. Vamos, vamos,
0: vamos. Siga, siga. It's just past 4 a.m. on a jungle road in southern Mexico known as La Ruta del Café, the coffee route. Rising into the highlands of Chiapas, this road is lined with ethically certified coffee farms. And yet we've come to investigate reports of human rights abuses on these remote mountainsides. We've been investigating a farm that uh, has a rainforest certification where we've been told children are working in the fields. David, I've got to tell you that
2: if we are to expose the fact that children are picking coffee, this puts them out
0: of business. So we're in a little bit of danger here. All right, we've arrived. This behind me is the farm of interest today. Quite soon, the day will begin here, and the workers will start arriving. Walk into almost any grocery store in America, and you're likely to see them little stamps, with promos that leave big impressions.
1: Fair trade products vastly improve the working and living conditions of families in developing countries. If I buy something with that mark on, I'm guaranteed that the farmer gets a fair price.
0: Fair trade. You've been apathetic for too long. Rainforest Alliance. You want to do something about it. You must do something about it. As consumers become increasingly conscious of what they buy, corporations of all kinds have turned to an array of ethical certification groups, which advertise their products are bettering the world. It's a bold experiment, going into areas of the globe with little government oversight that have historically been exploited for their natural resources and cheap labor.
3: These are not regions of the world where change can happen in one fell swoop. We know that it's
1: difficult. We know the realities that they face.
0: They're but a fraction of a vast global supply chain,
1: They were meant to essentially fill the gap that we would expect to be filled by law, by oversight of governments of corporate behavior.
0: But with so few alternatives, the ethical certification industry has grown rapidly.
1: Hi, it's me, Bonnie Wright. I have been working closely with Rainforest Alliance.
0: Racking up celebrity endorsements and partnering with iconic American businesses such as Whole Foods, Starbucks, Walmart and mcdonald's mccafe believes in 100 arabica beans from rainforest alliance certified farms americans drink coffee more than any other beverage besides water with the u.s retail market valued at more than 80 billion dollars by far the largest in the world with a majority of consumers saying they prefer products like coffee to be ethically certified and they're willing to pay for it. Ethical certification generates hundreds of millions of dollars with two of the largest and most widely respected names, Rainforest Alliance and Fairtrade International, bringing in tens of millions in revenue each year.
1: There are over 30,000 fair trade products on sale in more than 125 countries worldwide.
0: Most of that money, ethical certifiers say, goes to environmental protection and improving the livelihoods of farm workers.
1: It may be that there are some better practices and processes in place. But there's a major disconnect between what consumers believe they're buying and what the reality is on the ground.
0: We wanted to see how ethically sourced coffee was produced in the beating heart of coffee production in North America. Chiapas, the southernmost state in Mexico. are crowing so the sun is about to come up on this morning we're up before sunrise outside a rainforest Alliance certified coffee farm joining us is freelance journalist John Carlos Frey who has spent more than a decade reporting in Chiapas and has come with us as a producer and guide The fact that there's a camera here right now yeah makes us sitting ducks not long after we set up, Workers emerge from the farm's dormitories to begin the day's harvest. Buen día. Hola. Amongst them, children. Yeah. Hola, buen día. señor. Well, there are kids, I think, around four years old, maybe younger, carrying carrying baskets. They're going into the jungle. They're going where the coffee fields are. And the kids are, at least under the Rainforest Alliance charter, supposed to be in school, right? I don't think they're walking to school right now. Something tells me. Doesn't look like it. This is child labor. Before long, our presence on the public road starts to draw a lot of attention. We're spotted. Yeah, we are. Yeah. They're waiting right there for us to leave. Yeah. On the advice of our local producers, we quickly exit the area. I keep going. Okay. Yeah, go- but later that afternoon, we returned to confirm the children we saw are actually working. We needed to clear the area this morning because within minutes they were on to us. The farm of interest is among the many here known to employ Guatemalan migrants who cross the nearby border, often making dangerous river crossings to work some of the most difficult jobs in the country. At the time of our visit in 2021, the farm was certified, and its most recent audit showed that it was in compliance with most Rainforest Alliance policies, including the prohibition of child labor. But when we arrive later that afternoon, we find children working in plain sight on the side of the road. ¿Cómo están niños? Bien? What's your name? Alicia. How are you, children? Alicia. are you, children? How sorting coffee cherries, some apparently under the age of six, while infants sit out in the tropical heat as their parents labor for hours nearby. All apparent violations of Mexican law and Rainforest Alliance policies, which mandate that children living on farms like this one are in school or in child care while their parents work. One boy agrees to speak with us. De donde eres? De How long have you been here? Dos meses. Dos
2: meses? Wow. How old are you? 12.
0: 12. ¿Estás trabajando
2: aquí en la pista? Sí.
0: Yeah. It's very difficult work, huh? Sí.
2: Está un poquito duro.
0: Hay una escuela aquí. Is there a school here for you? No. no question about child labor on this farm. We're gonna get out of here now. But days before we saw children working on the coffee farms, we saw another side of life for Rainforest Alliance farmers. We had met up with Fernando Bautista, a regional lead for Rainforest Alliance, who brought us to a different farm that he said was a model for the organization.
2: Es una comunidad netamente productora de de café, y nosotros como organización Rainforest Alliance estamos colaborando con ellos en, en favorecer algunos procesos particularmente buenas prácticas agrícolas. Si son fincas grandes que contratan eh, gente. Esas condiciones laborales también se van verificando. Like.
0: We're introduced to one farmer who has nothing but high marks for Rainforest Alliance.
2: Entonces, Rainforest es la línea importante que nos lleva a, a, un, a un producto sustentable, eh, crear este, árboles nativos de la región para que también nuestras plantas de café sean nativas. Con la certificación de Rainforest. Puedes entrar los mercados justos entonces? Así es. Puedes pedir un poquito más porque la calidad está más alta?
4: Así es, así es.
0: But during this visit in late 2021, another member of our team spoke with several small scale farmers who were part of this Rainforest Alliance community without an escort nearby. And they paint a very different picture.
2: Pues mire, el rey no bueno, más nos apoya a veces, pero casi no no hay un gran apoyo, digamos que nos saca, no, casi no, muy poco lo que avienta. Nosotros la verdad en el momento nos desesperamos, estamos luchando para sobrevivir nuestra familia.
3: Bueno ahorita dicen que si sí va a tener precio, pero hasta aquí la verdad no lo hemos visto. Con lo poco que Dios nos da, pues el frijolito o a veces una salsita. Aquí, bendito Dios, que cuando no hay nada de qué comer, la santa tortillita, con eso se llena uno.
4: ¿Y los niños aquí ayudan también a los padres para para cortar el café? Sí,
3: tienen que ayudar. Porque imagínense, si pagamos, no queda nada también. Casi no sale.
4: ¿Pero cómo cuántos menores trabajan ayudando? Más o menos aquí en la comunidad.
3: Aproximadamente, será como unos... Unos 20, 15, 15 niños. Digamos que como unos 15 o 20. Le digo que es mi sobrino que tiene 5 años. Él va básicamente cortando las matitas que están pequeñas. Ya los de 7 años pues ya más o menos tienen fuerza.
0: On our last day in Tapachula, we met back up with Fernando, the Rainforest Alliance Regional Lead. To ask him about the children we saw working. Fernando, thank you so much. On Monday of this week, uh, you brought our team to a coffee farm. Do you think that farm is representative of your certified member farms here?
2: La finca en la que estuvimos es un modelo aquí en la región porque están organizados socialmente,
0: including in terms of banning child or underage labor. We
2: took these
0: pictures at one of your certified farms. We watched very young children working hard. How can it be that we come here for a week and can easily see this right out in the open. ahí sí como organización yo te puedo
2: decir que están estamos trabajando en erradicar todo esto. Entonces sería muy complicado que nosotros como organizaciones pudiéramos estar haciendo estas verificaciones que desafortunadamente y, y ustedes lo han visto se, se se dan o se dan en esta en esta finca. Estaría bien interesante conocer Esa finca, o sea, en, en el caso particular mío, que soy parte de Rainforest Alliance.
0: Fernando, ¿no es true que la Rainforest Alliance solo inspecciona una of de sus farmacias certificadas?
2: Sí, ahí en esta comunidad hay 19 productores certificados el día lunes, donde fueron, y se toma una muestra de cinco productores a verificar. Entonces, digo, esta información que ustedes han recopilado en estos días Por supuesto que nosotros tenemos ese compromiso de hacer ese análisis de esas fincas. La idea es mejorar.
0: Ultimately, our team filled evidence of child labor at 3 rainforest Alliance certified farms in Chiapas last year, including this one that provides coffee beans to Starbucks. ¿Y tú
4: dónde vas a trabajar? ¿Tú también trabajas no?
0: Up next, we journey even deeper into rebel held mountains. This is a danger zone. To explore the living conditions of farmers working with a different certifier. Nestled in the remote highlands, those in Mexico call San Cristobal de las Casas one of their magical towns. Oh, this must be the main square up there, huh? But its cobblestone streets and charming architecture conceal a decades-long armed conflict lurking in the mountains above, where clashes between Mexican authorities and the Zapatistas, armed rebels seeking equal rights for indigenous farmers, still occur. We've started our our climb up into the Chiapas highlands and this really takes us to the heart of the indigenous community. Many areas within these deeply impoverished mountains are still held by Zapatista forces.
3: We're going right into the hotbed, right into the heart of the Zapatista movement. People get shot and killed here over land disputes. Uh, This is an area of severe conflict with Government officials uh, fighting with the indigenous community with cartel activity here. This is a danger zone.
0: Outsiders rarely get here, but we've come with an escort. Fernando Rodriguez, coordinator of a fair trade certified coffee collective called Mahomut, who wants us to see what life is like for indigenous coffee farmers here.
4: In esta zona, digamos, la principal actividad economica. Is the production of
0: indigenous farming communities like Fernando's are the backbone of Mexico's rapidly growing coffee industry, comprising 85% of the nation's growers and producing some of the world's most expensive coffee. And yet, they're still amongst the poorest people in the country, pushed off their land to remote mountains hundreds of years ago. They've survived against the odds on small family farms that rarely provide a living income. After a long, bumpy ride. Here we are. Here we are. We finally arrive at a remote mountaintop village. Where a fair trade coffee farmer has agreed to speak with us. Hola.
5: Hola.
0: ¿Cómo se llama el caballero?
5: Lucio. Lucio.
0: Lucio. Mucho gusto, Lucio. Lucio Gómez Pérez owns his own farm and says he's been part of Mahomut for 20 years. We meet in an outdoor kitchen that his family often shares with the rest of the community. Fernando, Mahomut's coordinator, points out some changes the fair trade system has brought Lucio
4: pero por ejemplo hay cambios sí ahora por ejemplo ellos tienen una estufa
0: que se ha ahorrado a los vecinos we set out on foot to take a look at Lucio's farm cerca
5: no faltan
0: wow <laughs> I didn't realize it was straight up me digo <sighs> la casa siempre cansada you got to do this with 50 pound king how much 50 kilos.
5: 50 kilos? 50 kilos.
0: After roughly half an hour, we finally reach it, perched high above the clouds. Aha. What does it say in this? Cereza. Cereza.
5: That's the pulpa for compost. The pulp for compost. And those grains to sell. Aha.
0: Shade grown at high altitudes, this organic coffee is considered among the best in the world and is incredibly hard to grow. But Lucio says he's still barely getting by. A core promise Fairtrade makes is their minimum price, it's supposed to be a safety net that helps protect farmers from the highly volatile and competitive coffee market. But Lucio says Fairtrade's current minimum price is not a solution for him.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Lucio tells us he makes only $2,000 a year as a Fairtrade coffee farmer. That's more than what the average coffee farmer makes in Mexico, but it's still nearly half of what's considered a living wage in the country. No es justo. nosotros somos presos. Is that enough to support your family? No es suficiente, no es
5: suficiente. Mm-hmm. Por eso más platicamos más, más en, en temprano. Yeah. Queremos ¿no? Es suficiente, queremos que más el precio del café. Queremos ustedes como de entrevistas que nos mano, que en el corazón otro
0: Back in San Cristobal, Fernando says Lucio is far from the only struggling farmer in his cooperative, and that fair trade should raise its minimum price. Currently set at a baseline of $1.70 per pound for washed organic Arabica coffee, with an additional $0.20 cent premium set aside for community projects. We know that right trade
4: will not solve all the needs, right? but we need to work there still. Tal vez el consumidor con 50 centavos de dólar de más y por una taza de café ya está sintiendo que está
0: cambiando la vida de toda la gente y no es así. Fernando says, "Fair trade does help when global coffee prices drop below fair trade's minimum price." Eso es bueno, sí, porque tenemos un precio garantizado para los
4: productores, pero no es suficiente para que realmente cambien más las condiciones de vida de los productores y productores y de la familia en general.
0: What would you say to the American consumer directly? No queremos limosnas. Mm. ¿Sí?
4: No queremos bondad. Lo que queremos es reconocimiento, reconocimiento del trabajo y de los esfuerzos.
0: Next, we head to a different sort of jungle in search of more answers. Every morning, all across New York City, coffee shops brace for crowds.
5: Coffee is wildly important to my daily routine.
0: It gets me started every day. And consumers are now increasingly demanding more from their brew. It is important to me to seek out ethically certified coffee. Well, I don't think it should be available if it's not
2: certified. I would spend more for ethically certified coffee, um, especially knowing that it's coming from a good source.
0: As the trend grows, expectations run high.
1: First thing I think about is a living wage for the workers so that they can buy food, have a home, have health care, you know, what we all want. All of us want to know that the way that we're living is contributing to a better world. And frankly, the only option many people have is to look to these certification schemes and to look to these labels.
0: Amelia Evans leads an independent research team. They study the ethical certification industry and its impact on human rights across the world. It sounds like a noble, egalitarian experiment.
1: An experiment, I think, is 100% the right way to look at this. You know, This looked at the time like the most promising thing that could be there.
0: So why did you decide to dig into their records and devote a whole organization to tracking them?
1: We felt it was really important to just understand whether this experiment was working. And what became disturbing to us over the course of 10 years of work is just seeing how often actually things were frankly systematically failing. The fact is that what we're seeing is certification schemes, which are voluntary efforts, are simply not enough to address the problem. Fairtrade, certainly, and Rainforest Alliance, we would consider them some of the better actors within the overall scheme of different ethical certifiers. And frankly, they're still failing to systematically address human rights abuses, even though they tend to exhibit good practices.
0: Aida Portillo is the lead human rights coordinator for Fair Trade International in Latin America. She agreed to speak with us in New York. How would you describe Fair Trade International's core mission?
3: Fair Trade is a movement that seeks to promote fairer conditions in trade and to bring those who are usually misrepresented or more vulnerable in a supply chain to the center so that they can get more from the market.
0: Can you give me a sense of how well you think Fair Trade has been? doing all these years?
3: Well, I think that uh, more than an answer from the side of fair trade is the perspective of those small farmers that we work with. And they have stated that this is the certification scheme that provides with the best benefits.
0: As you know, we spent time with uh, fair trade certified coffee farmers in, in, in Chiapas. The way the coffee cooperative leadership put it to us, the fair trade minimum price is still not enough to improve the livelihoods of producers and families in general.
3: Yeah, so in this particular region, we have indigenous communities that have less than one hectare to produce land. So in those terms, even if we have a minimum price, a premium and all the tools, we know that it's not enough land to produce enough income. So that goes beyond of what fair trade can do. It it has to do with the structural Um, Problem that the region has, and that it historically ended up being this way.
0: We spoke with farmers in Chiapas making just one or two thousand dollars a year as fair trade farmers. Do you think that your producers in that part of Chiapas expected to be seeing greater gains by now?
3: Well, I think that for producers in that region, just being able to survive and to still participate in, a, in agriculture, something that is important to them, is is something that they value.
0: Both Rainforest Alliance and Fairtrades websites contain information and extensive reports about the challenges facing the organizations. Fairtrades includes a recent study that found that their minimum price would have to be raised by 43%, to achieve a living wage for some coffee farmers. Do you think you've been clear enough with American consumers about just how far you are from that standard?
3: I mean, I think it's important to understand uh, what we mean by it should be higher. So there are many variables. There are different things like the COVID-19 pandemic, like the climate change. And so that makes it so that the minimum price is not enough. So there's more to be done from the different actors that are involved, you know, buyers, traders, civil society, consumers. Right.
0: And you recently called on the wider coffee industry to do more to raise the price of coffee. And I wanted to ask, have you raised the fair trade minimum price since the call to raise coffee prices by fair trade in 2019?
3: It is reviewed periodically, and it's currently under revision because of these same circumstances.
0: Has it been raised since 2019? It's currently
3: under revision, so there's a process to do that, because we do everything with a participative and consultative process.
0: Your own report recommended that Fairtrade take the opportunity to engage the public in consumer countries about what it can achieve and the limitations. How do you go about doing that?
3: Well, I think uh, transparency. On the challenges that these regions face is important. It is important to make this distinction that fair trade or a fair trade mark can never guarantee that a situation doesn't happen.
0: Do you have any ads that put these limitations into perspective for consumers?
3: Again, no organization can claim or guarantee that a product is 100% free from. Uh, social and economic issues. Fair trade never makes that claim.
0: I'd like to show you some promotional material that um, that fair trade has put out in in recent years. It speaks to this point.
1: Fair trade products vastly improve the working and living conditions of families in developing countries. If I buy something with that mark on, I'm guaranteed that the farmer gets a fair price. Fair trade. The power is in your hands.
0: We hear if I buy something with that mark. I'm guaranteed that the farmer gets a fair price. So why would you tell consumers that if you're trying to get across the limitations of what can be achieved?
3: So fair trade sets a minimum price, which means that that price is sometimes higher, most of the times is higher than what is offered in the traditional market.
0: So by fair price in that context, you don't necessarily mean a living wage.
3: So, okay, fair trade as a movement only has 5% of the global market share in coffee. So if we do not sell enough quantity of coffee in fair trade terms, even with those tools, there is very little impact that you can make on living
0: income. We hear fair trade products vastly improve the working and living conditions of families in developing countries. Doesn't that contradict what's being reported by you and others?
3: Well, I think that's because we we come from a standpoint of judging development from what we see in our surroundings. If not for movements like fair trade, the choice would be emigrating to another country under dire circumstances, or maybe falling prey to organized crime. And it doesn't contradict itself. It just means that we are improving the quality of life within the circumstances that they are at. We understand that a normal certification might have its limitations under normal circumstances, but in this sense, we fought for the fact that producers and workers are half-owners of the certification so that they have a seat at the table. I haven't seen another choice uh, that is comparable to what Fairtrade does, and that's why we are so committed of continuing with this model of work.
0: The groups say that if we weren't here, they'd be even worse off?
1: Yes, they might be better than nothing, but by being there, they mean that nothing else is being created either.
0: From that perspective, do you think they can actually do harm?
1: I think that there is a risk that these initiatives, while they may not mean it, could risk doing more harm than good. In the sense that they can create a perception that these critical issues are being taken care of, when in fact, those issues are being perpetuated. It's important that these initiatives speak to their limitations. But if they're going to do that, it has to be much louder. And what's confusing to me is this disconnect, that on the one hand, you have acknowledgement of the real limitations of what's occurring, and then the other, the sort of glossy PR.
0: Aida says Fairtrade accepts much of Amelia's findings.
3: We, as Fairtrade, agree with the main result, which is to say that, for example, An organization like Fair Trade cannot replace public policy and it cannot replace regulation.
0: Back here in New York's concrete jungle, we still had questions about the child labor we witnessed on some Rainforest Alliance farms. So we reached out to their headquarters, located here in downtown Manhattan, and requested an interview with their leadership. They declined but provided information and a statement that reads in part, The Rainforest Alliance strongly believes in the protection and advancement of human rights in global supply chains. Child labor is a grave human rights abuse and has no place in a responsible business. They also said that in 2020, they adopted an assess and address approach to child labor, which goes beyond simple prohibition and helps farmers identify and address the root cause of child labor. Because, they say... A zero tolerance approach has only driven child labor underground, where it is harder to detect. Our system does not promise to be infallible, they wrote. We are trying hard to prevent, monitor, and remediate situations as we're made aware of them. We are fully aware this can often be an uphill battle. Evans says that most ethical certifiers do not conduct regular audits of all their member farms.
1: They cannot inspect every farm or every factory. So what do they do? They set up a small portion, a sample size. So they look at those. How small? It depends on the initiative. The range can be anywhere from say 15% down to .00005.
0: So then how can they affirm to the American consumer what is or isn't happening in those networks?
1: That's the incredible difficulty. They can't reliably say that to us. It's not to say that there haven't been improvements. It's that we can't rely with full assurance on the veracity that this is in fact a place that's free of child labor, a place in which a living wage is being paid.
0: During our reporting, we provided Rainforest Alliance with a detailed description of what we found on our trip. While they did not want to comment on the child labor we filmed without reviewing our footage and did not acknowledge any instances of child labor on any of the farms we identified, they did find some farms were in violation of Rainforest Alliance's assess-and-address approach to mitigating child labor. They ultimately canceled the certification of three farms we visited, including one that provides coffee beans to Starbucks. Starbucks telling ABC News that they take allegations like these extremely seriously, requiring all of their suppliers to pledge compliance with their code of conduct.
1: The ultimate power tends to really lie with the companies who participate. They're involved in the governance of these initiatives. They often are key funders of these initiatives. That's not to suggest that there's not some changes going on for those companies Mm -hmm. who participate. It's just that we're not going to see the sort of transformation occur That was the promise of many of of these initiatives when they were set up. We need to have laws and regulation here in the United States, throughout the global north, that require uh, that companies are ensuring that throughout their supply chain, a living wage is being paid. I think also as consumers, we have to be really honest about the ways in which we've become complicit in participating in a system that allows this. Maybe we as consumers need to much more grapple with the complexity of what it means that goods are expensive to produce if we pay people fair wages.
0: As demand for feel-good products grows, family farmers like Lucio continue to wonder how they'll pay for their basic necessities.
5: Cada, por cada año se sube todo el precio. Cada mm. año se sube. Las ropas, se compran maíz, se compran medicamentos, todo se sube todo. Mantener la familia siempre tenemos esfuerzos. Salimos tembramos, llegamos tarde en la casa, carga por solito, carga comidita, siempre comemos
0: en una parcela. What would you say? To American consumers who, you know, want to support your cause.
5: Necesito que lleguen con nosotros pagando ustedes, que necesito que lleguen los dos, para que la familia que sea contenta también, para que sube un poco el precio también. Necesito más, no es bastante.